ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek, 5 foot 11, 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous, 5 foot 11, 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication. Turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got. You can get it ground, you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own. They've got all of the options. Uh, and then you use the code PEAKSPEAK in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I think they express post everything, so hopefully quickly. Perfect. Amazing. And well, that's it. Without further ado, here's, here's the episode. Yeah. Enjoy. Presented by Thomas Lilly and John Sheridan, Baby Cry in the Background, not included. Garage band. That's the name of the thing that I use. Garage. Garage? Garage. Garage? I, th I said garage to someone the other day and I, I got berated for it. I got in trouble. Yeah, I have an argument with my partner about uh, the pronunciation of forearm uh forearm yeah How else can you pronounce forearm well forearm and forehead uh oh well you don't say it, yeah well the trick is it's it's not forehead and forum yeah <laughs> it's forearm and forehead yeah uh, but i have that argument with her a lot <laughs> well think of it as well like um we say kilometer or some people say kilometer yeah. and then people say kilograms yes uh, like why don't we say kilograms? It's why it infuriates me that most of New Zealand in insists on referring to kilograms as kgs, uh, and with a drawling New Zealand accent that I can't do very well. Uh, it just for no good reason infuriates me. Anyway, yeah. I, I get that with certain words, and it's yeah. mainly like lifting base words. It's I think I said it the other day on the podcast. I can't remember. Like, I do so many podcasts. I save most of my good content for the, for the Zero podcast now. So this is just going to be the dregs. This is going to be our trash, your trash podcast now. Good. I'm glad that after 150,000 downloads, you've decided to shit the bed completely and not turn up anymore. It's the equivalent of uh, Freddie Mercury being like, you know what? I don't need Queen. I'm Freddie Mercury. <laughs> and two years later being like, okay, I, yeah, Queen, Queen's the bomb. Oh dear. Good. I'm glad to be queen in this scenario. Yes. Well, 
It was uh, nice to see you on the weekend. Yes, it was. You were in town. It was great, if only for a fleeting moment. Yeah, um, well, uh, Stefan helped us bond by sealing the cracks of our heart with uh, very high-fat meats. Which yeah, was I was going to say meat grease. Yeah, I'm still eating. I've, I've had some form of barbecued meat on a brioche bun every night for dinner for oh, the last three nights. It's been fucking I'm amazing. So jealous. Yeah, because well, we ended up with a bunch of leftovers that we like mm. fed the helpers and stuff, and then I just took it all home because I'm the boss and mm. do what I want. And uh, yeah, I last night I had brisket and pulled pork on burgers. The night before that, I had exactly the same thing. So, Damn. you know, I'm not complaining about a lack of variety in my diet at the moment. Mm. No, uh, I've got a nice hunk of it waiting in my freezer for the perfect moment, which will be in about five weeks when I stop uh, doing stupid things to my body, like cutting out food and trying to lose weight. Yeah, it's 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 the devil's curse. It'll get mm. you forever. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was it was nice to have you here. We had states on, which was great. Uh, a relatively chill states this time around, which was cool. Uh, mm. Nice to sort of be able to kind of be relaxed about how quickly we got through the day and not have to punch through it really quickly. Like even then, we were still done. We started lifting at eleven, and we were done at like two thirty, mm. I think, or something like that. Including you know fifteen twenty minute breaks in between lifts and stuff like that. So yeah. It's always nice to be able to just not have to punch through it at a million miles an hour because we've got three flights to get through. Um, yeah, it was it was a good comp. Went off pretty much without a hitch. Yeah, yeah. Major like issues. You're always running amazing comp, so it was good to see the machine in action. Yeah, I think at this point we've just had a lot of practice, uh, and we have a good venue. Like that was one of the comments that I heard a few times from a couple of different people who'd come from. I think Newcastle was some of them and maybe Sydney uh, and had only really experienced comps in other feds or in smaller gyms where it's, you know, pretty tightly packed in and they struggle to, to get the space to warm up and stuff like that. Whereas for us, you know, our comp room alone is like 200 square meters and then we've got mm. another 200-ish in terms of the warm-up room. So we've got plenty of space and, um, and essentially a facility that's built for it. You know, like the way we arranged things when we moved in was all about how can we move this the least amount possible for comps. So mm. yeah, it just makes the whole process easier. I mean, you were involved in the setup and it, like at 7.30 in the morning on Sunday morning, the gym still looks like it does every day of the week. And by 8.30, we were set up and ready to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so that yeah. was dawdling. We took yeah, our yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's one of those things that <clears> I... <throat> sometimes it's easy for me to forget how good we've got it now compared to what we had in the past where it was like a three-day affair of a day to set up a day to run the comp and another day to mm. put it all back together so yeah it's good it's life is good well life in brisbane is uh, a lot yeah. slower these Lock, days lockdown life lockdown life even though i'm on the gold coast so uh, here we are i'm, a, I'm an illegal escapee i'm an alien on the gold coast because i actually live in brisbane but uh, I'm allowed to travel for work, so there we go. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so immediately everyone's uh, complaining about how, how hard done by we are, how terrible the three-day lockdown is, immediately forgetting uh, the uh, place that in which we live and how well we've handled the situation. I yeah. love all the, like, the, the comments of like, comrade anastasia you know us down <laughs> again dictatorships like, yeah because because we've had such a fucking hard run here right? yeah that's the thing that situation. doesn't like the people on that side of the argument who are like oh this authoritarian regime is oppressing us it's like no for three days everyone just said like can we all just stay home and let us like make a bunch of phone calls <clears throat> to make sure this doesn't continue to get worse and yeah. i think when you compare you know a brief three-day lockdown with like what 
people in the UK and people in the <laughs> US have had to experience. Like, fuck, man, we have had it so good for so, so good. long. And, and like, again, feeling lucky, pretty lucky on my front to be in Canberra where like Australia's had it good and then we've probably had it as one of the best in terms of major cities in Australia because we're not really a major city. Um, and that's been really helpful as well. So, yeah, I, I empathize with you, but I'm sure it'll be over soon. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Anyway, and also, three days of lockdown means you probably won't lose your gain, so you don't have to panic too bad. Exactly. Um, right, well, today Podcasts. we were going to talk about something. Yes, um, so... Flavor, flavor of the month kind of exercises. What, what was... Yeah. Who, give a shout out to this uh, lovely... Uh, so, Jen... Uh, at jentess17 on Instagram sent me a message uh, that I'm not going to read because it's too long to read verbatim but essentially like you said the uh, the gist of the question was about uh, seeing like exercises or particular exercise variations rise on Instagram and on social media and stuff and kind of become that flavor of the month and, and where the value in them lies I think she specified Turkish get-ups Mm-hmm. Uh, which I wouldn't have said a flavor of the month, but I guess we look at different areas of of the yeah. the industry, right? So the people that I am following in terms of things that I find interesting on Instagram and Facebook and stuff are probably different from the average person who's listening to us and that sort of thing. So I think rather than speaking to exactly that exercise, I think we can talk a bit about the ideas behind it because it's definitely something that is prevalent and has been for as long as I can remember in terms mm. of the industry itself. And I've certainly been guilty of, of falling, <coughs> of been guilty of falling for that idea and that like flavor of the month concept that I think is um, an easy trap to fall into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been having this conversation quite a lot, especially now that I'm doing this mentoring with... Uh, with Pat Davidson, who uh, is a large part of the problem. <laughs> who has become flavor of the month in the last yeah, several yeah, months. Yeah. Uh, and n- not him being a large part of the problem, but I guess a, a misinterpretation or misunderstanding of his message sometimes. Or just, uh, and it's not singling out him as an individual, of course, but you know, just uh, an overview of the industry kind of thing. One thing that I, that stands out to me hugely is like, you know, we've swung the pendulum so far in the strength training world from the meathead to the intellect um, and we've probably gone so far in the direction of the intellect that we've lost some common sense you know I, like i've through through my um through my life you know i've i've uh worked in academia worked as a <laughs> nerd you know spent a lot of time in university a lot of time in forming curriculum a lot of time working for the government as a professional and at the same time i've also spent a lot of time like on construction sites and driving forklifts and in that environment too a lot of like white collar versus blue collar yeah and the 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 common theme of um like the construction jobs and the the on-site sort of jobs is that everyone's always angry at everyone with a university degree (laughs) and the the and then it's the polar opposite in the other end of the spectrum these people don't know what they're doing they don't have any common sense and like both of them are a, a completely unfounded stupid sort of comments but that's exactly what we're doing in, in this case. It's like we've gone so intellectual that we've stopped using common sense to some degree. And the irony of it is, is that like the stuff that we laugh at that we did as a fitness industry or as, the, you know, the strength training industry six, seven years ago, we're doing exactly the same thing now, but we're, we're just putting it under the veil of big words, yeah. fancy terminology. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like and a so, smoke screen. 
Exactly. To kind of to to kind of demystify this, like we would laugh at the notion of like everyone doing banded clamshells and everyone doing monster walks as you know glute activation and warm up uh, because we're like fuck this that's just dumb it's about position at what point in the lift do you flap your knees around why are you doing that exercise uh or what the fuck are you doing a dead bug for like a, or a bird dog isn't going to fix the way that you squat that's just a waste of time uh, but now we're just doing the same thing we've just layered it uh, under again under this veil of like hyper intellectualism uh, and we're, we're still doing things like, oh, your knee's caving in your squat or you don't have that control on your squat. Here's this fancy front foot elevated ipsilateral loaded with a kettlebell while you're fucking singing hymns to the Lord Jesus Christ above that's going to fix your squat. We're saying exactly the same fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, we've just made it brainy. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really easy to miss that. Yeah. And, and I don't, like, I don't think the intellectualization... It's so hard to say. Yeah, fucking oath. Uh, of, of the fitness industry is inherently bad. Like, no, I, it's fucking I think, awesome. Yeah, the conversations that we're having in the industry are so far above mm. from a conceptual standpoint where we were 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think overall the, the trajectory is in the right direction. The problem seems to continually be the disconnect between... Uh, people reading and, and consuming the information and then regurgitating it without actually taking the time to think critically about it and mm-hmm. analyze how it fits into their beliefs or doesn't fit in with their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's that sort of soundbite approach to like people's philosophies and people's ideas. Like that's the thing with someone like Pat is you can see Pat's Instagram posts and be like, well, he's this, you know, super divisive character who has these really firm views. And then you do something like go through two days of Pat talking for eight hours a day and realize that there's actually so many more layers to that like 140 character picture that he put on the internet. And when you can see it unpacked in front of you and you understand the layers and you can see how it all comes back together, you can see how that one simple statement is like causes that visceral reaction with so many people and yet has so many layers of nuance to it that it's actually a really insightful you know piece of information that you can unpack and and sort of learn uh, begin to understand but i think that people just resharing those things and then just quickly shifting their entire training view to fit around that concept is the most common problem in that area is people taking these things as gospel and immediately implementing them and and completely changing their their views and things like that and i know i said that a bit about pat's courses like i'm glad i took it when i did not five or six years ago or even a bit further back because then i just would have been a pat davidson coach like i Mm. I just would have that would have been the system i used and i would have just lent heavily into that and uh I think now I'm mature enough and have established my understanding of the principles well enough to be in a position where I can take pieces of it and and add it or integrate it into the system that I have in a way that improves the overall message. But you still need to then be able to understand it to a point where you can explain it to someone who has no fucking idea what you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For for me, it it highlights a bigger issue or really it reinforces... um, it reinforces what I already believe to be a bigger issue, which is like, no matter how much information you get, no matter how much smarter we get at all this uh, biomechanical stuff, all this movement principle stuff, until we are all talking the same language in terms of how we then apply it to something like powerlifting or like strength training or squat bench deadlift, till we're speaking the same language as to what a squat is, like what the gold standard of that movement is, we're still having a different conversation. 
Yeah. Uh, ultimately, that's that's uh, that's what ends up happening with these people that are putting out this information. It's like that arguing the nuance and the nuance based argument is stemming from their understanding of what the 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 bigger movement should be and if your understanding is one thing your version of a squat is different to my version of squat of course our arguments are going to be different for the application or the understanding of that exercise or movement pattern or whatever it is and so there'll never be a meet in the middle there'll never be a, a intelligent conversation around it because you're arguing two different points yeah you're, you're arguing from two different completely different ideologies and so like i mean sales plug for the coach development system that's the whole fucking point of that thing is like i see all of the issues stemming from the fact that we don't have a gold standard for what these movements are and therefore until we do uh you, you, we're all in the same boat as we're just figuring the shit out as we go along and so we can change our opinion to suit our narrative because we can just change what our gold standard is if we yep. can figure out what the gold standard is based on the fact that we're all the same animal doing the same thing then we can start to have more constructive conversations and come to more constructive solutions yeah and i think there's a lot of value as mm -hmm. a coach in being exposed to new ideas and new concepts and new movements and variations and stuff like that. And I like, it's one of my favorite things to do is like watch someone do something on Instagram and go, Ooh, that looks fucking miserable. I'm going to try that. But it's not like, Hey, that looks miserable. I'm just going to now prescribe it to everyone in the gym. Uh, instead it's like, Hey, I'm going to play with this. And like, maybe it's appropriate for some people. Maybe it's not for others, but it's me exploring then how that, movement or that concept or that idea fits in with what i already believe to be my system my approach mm. to things and like you said it's potentially different to yours in some ways but i think for the vast majority of things we agree on on most things uh and then it's about how does that serve me in terms of the message that i'm getting across and the way i'm explaining it to people and things like that because i mean like with again going back to something like pat stuff you can start talking about infrasternal angles to people and respiratory cycle stuff, but if these people have just walked in off the street and they just have no fucking idea what you're talking about, then you're just essentially circle jerking with yourself to try and impress other coaches who in general probably aren't impressed by you. Yeah. Uh, and so when you can begin to actually, like you said, have a, a standard where we can all speak from the same viewpoint or the same set of assumptions and then we can start to figure out the actual nuance within that, I think life's going to be a lot better, but I don't feel like we're there yet. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I was talking to a group this morning about this um, when we were talking about like stability exercises because I guess, you know, that, that example I drew on in terms of clamshells uh, is, is kind of dying out, but um, the reason why things like, you know, what people classed as stability or warm-up activation drills, whatever, um, were so sellable, were so easy to convince people that they're valuable to do. Because when you do them, they should feel like um, uh, they should feel like they're not accomplishing that much. And from a logical perspective, you should be asking yourself is like, how is this shitty little band going to help me use my hips under 300 kilos? And the, the answer should be it's not. Um, but the fact that you can feel something, that you get an effect out of it, you can feel an immediate burn, 
And if the person on the other end, the person coaching or talking about this thing has the language to sell that method yeah. to you, yeah, yeah. be like, see that burn you're feeling? I mean, like, like yeah, that that's is- your glutes, they're on fire. Yeah, they're on now, they're gonna work. Now they can do their job. That's gonna yeah. make the cues kick in and blah, 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 blah. If, if they can sell that to you, you'll believe it. It's the yeah. hard thing. Like I can, I can give you a million different exercises that are really fucking hard to do. That doesn't mean they're good. Yes. This being harder doesn't mean it's better. I can punch you in the face. That's going to feel hard. That's not going to be good for you um, unless you need to punch in the face and be my guest. I'm right. unconvinced you're athletic enough to actually punch anyone in the face. I'm athletic enough to punch. I'm uncoordinated <laughs> to the point where I'd probably miss. Um, yeah, so like this this idea of... <clears throat> I don't know what I was saying. What I was I saying? Um, Buying around convincing you that clamshells are a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the we've become really good at getting people to do an exercise and make it really fucking hard. Yep. Make it hurt, make it hard, make it difficult, and connect that automatically with this is then good for you. And it probably is in certain contexts. Yeah. In fact, I'd say exactly. it almost definitely is in particular contexts. Especially it's, if it makes a difference. Like, if there's a, a, oh, I did 16 clamshells and now my squat feels better, like, it's done something. And it's, it's made a positive change, so it's moving in the right direction. The placebo effect is a measurable effect and therefore a valid technique as long as you understand how you're using it. Yeah, and, the, the, and there's going to be broader implications to that because like, the ultimate thing that's going to determine your progress is time. Like if, you do, yes. if you're consistent over time, you'll get better. Exactly. Uh, so it's like add these magical exercises in. Uh, and then all of a sudden, six months later, you squat stronger and looks better. It's like yeah. the exercise worked. It's like, did yeah. it? Or did you just squat for six months? Yeah, the, the confirmation bias is strong. But not only, not strong necessarily in a negative way, but strong in a way that it becomes really, really hard to assess how much impact that exercise is having. Yeah. And so, like you said, there's going to be benefits immediately to it. Does it feel hard? Does it feel like it's doing something? Do you like it? Um, do you feel like it's good for you? That's, that's justifi- it's justification enough to keep it in there. But we're still, you're still putting so much emphasis and value on this really low-level stuff as having a major impact. Yeah. And arguing, you know, arguing the complete wrong argument about the best way to perform this really low-level exercise to impact your squat, rather than talking about how do we do the squat better. Yeah. How do you just squat better? I was having this discussion with a, a new guy who came in yesterday about the idea that like one of the biggest sort of evolutions in my my coaching philosophy has been the idea about buy-in not being about like how well can I explain things but buy-in uh early on in the coach athlete relationship being about how quickly can I put you in a position where you can work hard Hmm. and that comes through uh like appropriate exercise selection it comes through appropriate cueing and and setup and all of those sort of things and the quicker you can like the or the better understanding you have of how your system works the quicker you can slot someone into the appropriate place in that system and have them working Mm. hard, the sooner they're working hard, the more work they're putting into it over time, which means you're getting that consistency straight away, right? Like, yeah, maybe your squat technique's not 100% perfect, but if we can put you in a position where, like in this instance, he's not a power lifter, he's a guy who just wants to be strong and fit and healthy because he's in the military, did a squat with a barbell, it was a bit shit, uh, you know, but not so shit that I couldn't have spent an hour fixing it you know i quote unquote i don't like that term but improving it 
and then we took him away from a barbell, gave him a safety bar, gave him a heel wedge, and he squatted perfectly. Like he didn't have to cue him into anything. We just put him in an environment where he could work hard. He was like, great, I can feel my quads and glutes doing some work. I'm in this position where the squat feels better than it ever has before. Like, cool, we, that took us 15 minutes and we got from an empty bar up to like weights that are similar to what you've been squatting with a straight mm. bar, but it feels better. It feels like he's doing more work. He's got more range. Excellent, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Rather than taking an hour and a half to explain the nuance of torque at the hip and shoulder position in the barbell squat and those sort of things, which if you're a powerlifter are 100% worth the investment in time and energy in that aspect. But I'm still going to make sure you understand how to practice that as a skill and then give you that opportunity to do really hard work somewhere else that's perhaps a little simpler. Like, like mm. in your case with, say, the, the hip talk thing, like how far back do we scale you down to understand that concept and then how do we reintegrate it into the, the movement itself? And I think for me that has come from just a, a better understanding of my own thought process in how the, the pieces are put together and and how the whole thing comes together in in one in, sort of in unison and then being able to address each of those individual parts through like you like you do that that idea of scaling the concept up and down based on mm. the complexity of the movement and i think like ultimately i've seen way better results and i've seen people who are keener early in the piece because they don't feel like they have to be you know arbitrarily held back in order to do things well because it's about practice and that's like especially with uh, olympic weightlifting is one of the arguments i always have with a lot of people about it is to do it really well it's going to take you six months of doing almost no weight on a bar at a minimum uh and so for most people it's almost never worth the investment Mm. yeah for sure for sure um coming back to that that scalability thing and i guess that um that mindset around like we haven't actually changed that much the other thing that stands out to me big time that seems to be popping up more and more now which i'm so surprised by um is the idea of muscle action as part of systems like this hyper analysis about the best way to use particular muscles or get the most out of particular muscles uh at the expense or as a greater priority than the system and it's like yeah sure you know your muscles are are important to move away that's the whole fucking point Uh, muscles are slaves to positions and in the con in the context of trying to move the most weight possible position is king we're trying to maximize our ability to express the strength that we have so there's this real weird argument that keeps going back and forth and back and forth about bench press grip width and like coming in closer to maximize the leverage of the pec so your pec can work harder it's like okay like who the fuck cares it's not a competition for who uses their pecs the best it's the competition for who takes the most weight from point a to point b if we're talking about powerlifting just like oh let's deadlift with a straight shin on a conventional to use more glutes like okay congratulations i'm gonna lift way more than you why because i'm using my legs as well if i can use more muscle to move more weight and take joints through less range guess what i'm gonna be able to lift more and that's what fucking matters in a sport where the goal is to lift more so it's this really fucking weird argument of trying to, and, and it makes perfect sense if you're yeah. to grow fucking massive pecs. And that's the thing is I think it comes from like a, a disconnect between people who come from like a bodybuilding background where the goal is like large range of motion, tension across fiber, and that sort of biomechanical approach to it versus the sport of powerlifting, which is about execution first and foremost and maximum output. And when you get, when you hear a message from one side of that spectrum, but you don't have the 
the ability to shift your lens or your context away from whatever your bias is towards where that person is coming from. Like, uh, is it Kasim? Yep. Is a great example of that. Like the dude seems to come from a bodybuilding background. I don't know him from a bar of soap, but uh, he's a biomechanist who talks about like muscle growth and it's all about putting you in the right position to strain fibers across range and all of that stuff, which is like for me, I find really fucking fascinating because it's it helps me understand the the uh, human anatomy and how it all works and and has given me a better understanding of actually what we're doing in something like a powerlifting setup mm. you know like years ago i would have told you that the arched upper back retracted scapula is about shoulder stability and that's just the stable strong position of bench press i now respect the fact that that is maybe an element of it but it's actually like decrease the range of motion put you in a position where we can be in the strongest possible uh spot but you can also bench without retracting your shoulder blades and actually like go through a full range of motion and it won't kill you you're not going to get some sort of shoulder cancer um probably not i can't make that as a complete guarantee um but see this is this is why i get pissed off is because like i i you know you've you've named someone and i don't believe they talk about powerlifting very much in fact they don't talk no about he doesn't really at all but they interact with powerlifters, yes. and then people who are digesting that and then spitting it out like it's gospel truth yes. and saying like why the fuck would you bench with a wide grip bench press the irony is they're bringing their bench press grip in to maximize the use of their bench uh, their, their pegs but their bench is shit yeah, it's like yeah. i mean like who cares how much peck you use if your fucking bench press technique is shit maybe you yeah. suck at benching because your bench is shit rather than your pecs not being strong it's yeah. such a weird and wonderful way of looking at things like this. and in some cases that change sees an improvement like you said not because you're using more peck but because you went from being shit at something to being slightly less shit at it yeah. but then you've convoluted the the actual cause and effect there and suddenly like this is the gospel and you have to pray at the church of biomechanics and for, again it just kind of like i get frustrated because i want to say i don't understand why these people are, are doing this but i do understand it and i do understand it it's because we're they're looking at that movement as different to what my gold standard of that movement is yeah and so like the breakdowns that i see they see is just now oh, this is just what the human body does whereas i see it as a technical error that's going to cost you kilos on bench yeah and it's like until we can agree on what this gold standard is or at least fucking put a gold standard out there which is out there available in the zero coach development course contact <laughs> me um i like how uh, now you've got a zero podcast which is an advertisement for zero and now you've just continually turned this into an advertisement for zero that's good i'm impressed yeah look i mean <laughs> I, I i just yeah that's exactly what i'm doing so I'm yeah, that's all right i've been aware of it for some time yeah of course um <laughs> anyway anyway you get the point I've, i'm sick of yelling yeah look i in the end i think that's the the disconnect between an understanding of what we're actually looking at and and what we're trying to achieve and what people are preaching about uh is ultimately always almost always going to be the problem right is until we can establish firm ground about where we're all coming from and the perspective that we're coming from and you know pick the things that we agree on and the things mm. that we don't agree on and then we can start to discuss the nuance uh until we get to that point we're in trouble i think like podcasting and stuff like that is really useful in that aspect because you can have these longer form discussions with people where it can, you know, I heard a great one with, um, uh, fuck. 
I've just completely blanked on who it was. Yeah. Tom was the, Lilly and Judge Sheridan. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't listen to our own podcast. I listen to my own voice too much anyway. Uh, it was... Oh, fucking, no, I think it was the, the Compound Performance. No, yeah, that's what it was. It was fucking Kyle Dobbs and from Compound Performance and Jordan Shallow. And yeah. they'd like been tagged in a, an Instagram disagreement. And then you listen to the conversation and they're actually both talking about basically oh, the same was, thing. Was that the hook lying thing? Yeah. I haven't, uh, I haven't listened to it yet. It, it was a really good conversation between two very well-educated professionals uh-huh. who understand the nuance of the points they're making. And then after a discussion about it, actually came to basically the same point you know like it was one of those things where when you can establish the common ground about where you are coming from and what's different about your opinions then you can actually have a real serious discussion about the nuance of these things Mm. but until that point like you said we're all fucked (laughs) yeah 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 I'd, i'd love to i'd love to open the door to the some conversations with with some of the people posting some of the things that that are out there but i uh am not ready for that i don't think the world is ready for that and not not from like a mean way from a way that i actually want to you know try and gain some understanding as to what yeah. they're seeing and sort of um open that discourse i just think so many people um uh present in such a way that diminishes all other ideas and automatically by doing that closes off the opportunity for discourse yes um, like you know just slip in little comments like if your coach does this don't listen to that coach or get a new coach <laughs> or slip in yeah. little things like just just digs like uh you know you could bench close, close group and use your pecs or you could bench wide and tear them like stuff like that that it's automatically saying there is no alternative to this there is no discussion or discourse to be had yeah um it's unfortunately that's the shit that sells on instagram right like yeah. that's it's the that divisive stuff that gets the interaction that gets the reach that starts these discussions but the vast majority of people never get past the initial post and mm-hmm. maybe some clown emojis in the uh comments yeah exactly uh, you know so much of instagram posting is about gaining attention by clickbaity yeah. or gaming um, the controversial so, yeah exactly and i get it i yeah. get it like that shit sells fucking, man make fun of instagram every time i make a post anyway yes it's actually one of my favorite things about instagram is you making satirical posts about posting on instagram yeah well um, one's coming i just need to find the time to sit down and bother writing because it's such a fucking waste of time to do anyway um because it's literally for my ego to see how many people like it and share it and a few laughs it serves no other purpose if all you did was live your life based on things that stroke your own ego and make you laugh i reckon you'd still have a pretty good time <laughs> my bar, my bar for humor has only ever been: Did I laugh? And if I laughed, it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. My girlfriend would tell you a very different description of <laughs> what I would consider humor, but I'm okay with that because I laugh, Take and that's you all laugh. that matters. Yeah. Exactly. Excellent. Excellent. All right. See you. Goodbye. <laughs>